Hey, this is Kenny Price, host of Guat Rocks, God the World, and Other Things. Our mission, advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. This is episode 154, the last episode in season 7. I want to say a few comments about episode 153 that had to do with Revelation chapter 16, speaking of the seven bowls of God's fury. I want to again remind you, friend, because it was a serious, serious chapter that all that is said regarding the seven bowls has to do with the ungodly. As I said in the podcast, those who receive the mark of the beast, to be clear, the saints of God never come into contact with the terrible things displayed from the instruments of God's wrath ever. Second thing, all my life I have held to the teaching that the church of Jesus Christ will go through the seven years of the great tribulation. But in light of the total cataclysmic failure of all things, I've really come to the point that I do not see how that it is possible that the saints are still walking the planet, which means really at least one of two things. Either all the Christians on the earth at the time of the rise of Antichrist to power are martyred or murdered by the false prophet, the beast, the Antichrist, or the saints are raptured out of the tribulation. That means to be taken out of the situation, to be caught up with Jesus in the clouds. Any Christians left alive at the time of the seven bowls of fury would have to be raptured at that point because the judgment will be inescapable planet-wide, as I say, from the cave to the spaceship alike. Yet, friend, I do remind you that God does whatever he wants. If he desires to have the saints sit in heavenly domes for protection and isolation to watch his glorious wrath being poured out on those who are condemned to hell, then he can do that. But I've really come to the place to see that I'm not sure how it will work It's possible, I think, that there will be a suspension of time to where when God takes that final three and a half years to really, really punish the people on the planet who do not know Jesus, I really do think it's possible at that time that God removes the church, removes the saints out of the situation and holds them at bay for the second coming of Christ to the earth. That's my thoughts, but that's really where I've come to. A third thing, perhaps those in seats of immense wealth, power, and influence are seeking escape to Mars, and they are, friend, they really are, because they are smart enough to read and know the book of Revelation, and they think they will escape the wrath of God, but that will be impossible. Those that I speak of clearly have a strong sense that this planet, for whatever reason, will one day come to an end, but I really think that their desire to repopulate to another place could be driven by the fact that they're smart people, they're red people, and they know the book of Revelation, and they think that somehow they'll escape the wrath of God. But friend, that will be impossible. If they don't know Jesus, it doesn't matter where you are in the universe that on the day of judgment that he pours out his wrath on the ungodly on this planet, it's going to reach every single person who doesn't know Jesus. The fourth thing, the horrible torture those condemned to hell endure, still is nothing compared to the eternal hell that is their final destination. It dawned on me after I finished the podcast that as bad as it is and as bad as it will be, that and it is beyond comprehension how terrible it will be, that the Lord reminded me that, Kenny, it's still not going to be as terrible as their final destination. It says that the wicked kings of the earth will have the presence of mind enough to gather troops together That tells me that the torture was bad, 
but not as bad as it will get in the very, very end when they are cast into the eternal hell. The Bible calls it the lake of fire. It's molten fire that gives no light, and it will be like being immersed in volcanic lava. All they will be able to do is to scream eternally. I suspect that as I said this last sentence, there are perhaps a few of you who recoil at my words, even label me as a sadistic, morbid, vindictive person. But my friend, the words I speak are the truth. And on behalf of all the saints of God, as the Bible reminds us in Revelation chapter 16, who have suffered mortally at the hands of ungodly people, it will be a day of worship and glorious celebration of Jesus and his loving care and salvation. So we've got to get on the right side of chapter 16. And remember that, wait, this is God finally, finally taking care of the business of rectifying the murdering of his saints. His grace extended for thousands of years to fallen mankind, and yet that will come to an end, and he will finally rectify the situation. But I share these words, and they're spoken uh, with the hopes that those who are dangling over the fires of hell in this life by a single thread will come to their senses, repent, and be saved. God is not willing, the Bible says, that any should perish, but all should come to a knowledge of the truth and be saved. Real love talks about hard things. Self-love allows others to enter into an eternity without God in perpetual torture, knowing the truth, yet withholding it for a world of reasons that I don't understand that makes no sense from people that need to hear the truth. Friend, if we love people, we will tell them the truth that they are in jeopardy of hell fire. I don't want that for anyone. I want every person I know and those who I don't know to spend an eternity of bliss in heaven with Jesus Christ. Also, number five, verse 15 of this chapter is very important. And I really didn't spend much time on it in the last podcast, but it's superimposed into the vision. It breaks into the train of thought that is carried from 14 to 16. But verse 15 is a superimposition by Jesus Christ himself, and it is a strong warning and a pronouncement of blessing by the resurrected and coming Lord. Let me read it again in verse 15, chapter 16 of Revelation. Look, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who is alert and remains clothed so that he may not go around naked and people see his shame. Friend, Jesus is doing all he can to set you up for a huge win, but we have to listen to him and what he is saying and respond properly in faith. We have to stay alert and remain clothed and not reveal our shame. That means, friends, we need to live every moment prepared as if we're going to meet Jesus at this moment. Jesus promises us a blessing if we follow his lead and we remain sober-minded and we remain prepared for action. Because why? He says, I'm coming like a thief. In the Old Testament mindset in which Jesus speaks, a thief is not someone who comes in silently like a cat burglar. They are someone who comes in with a roar and with a sense of overwhelming devastation to the person that they are robbing, they're seeking to take advantage of. And so Jesus gives us a stern warning mixed with blessing that, hey, live your life prepared. I'm coming like a thief. In closing, I want to point out a few things in the show notes. There are several hyperlinks to help you in your walk with God. I'm including one that is a plea from best-selling author, popular psychologist Jordan Peterson. You may have heard about him. He is heavily followed in the social media realm. His plea is for all the people, and I'm paraphrasing, to back down from the speech and behaviors 
that are escalating us toward revolution and collapse as a nation and as a world. He gives a lot of meaningful thought that needs to be heard. As you watch Peterson, though, I want to encourage you, you will see that he is a troubled man. He's been very open about his own mental struggle in the past several years. In spite of being intensely popular, and I'm sure quite rich by now from massive book sales and speaking fees, he is a deeply troubled man. Though he is also a certified expert of the mind, he has a PhD in psychology. Peterson is famous for his classes he taught at the University of Toronto based on the Christian Bible. He has much lingo, even in this plea that morphs into the Lord's Prayer, that seems to point to the idea that he is a Christian. But it's really not a title he takes for himself. His mental trouble comes from an overwhelming sense of hopelessness and despair. Listen to this plea that he gives in this video. It comes from the right desire that we would return to a land of blessing and flourishing. But look at his face. See the anguish of a brilliant man. Friend, Peterson is in anguish from which he cannot be relieved because he is an expert of the mind and he clearly sees the future of us if things don't change. And he understands the full ramifications if we don't repent and change our ways as a people, as a world. And because he most likely really does not know Jesus, and friend, I'm not judging him. I'm just saying based on his own words, what he has said, and as a Christian minister, I would assess that Jordan Peterson probably does not have a living relationship with Jesus Christ. And because of that, he doesn't really see things changing, though he gives this plea. This is just my observation, but I think I'm right. To see the truth about this present world without the eternal hope firmly planted in a secure, real relationship with the resurrected and living Savior, Jesus Christ, is to become overwhelmed with a sense of hopelessness and meaninglessness. This is the condition of millions and billions of people on the planet as I speak. Friend, the way to live with peace and optimism at this time is to turn to Jesus. He is the only way we maintain our sanity and believe against all odds that God Almighty, the creator of the universe and you and me, has this thing. And things can get better. Why? Because of His divine providential intervention. And with that, my friend, I bid you peace.